Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of a law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Today, I'm sitting with Sarah Reif Hecking, whose business is True Focus Coaching, and we'll be talking about putting your life back together after, maybe even during, the divorce. So, Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Hindel. My pleasure. I'd love to hear more about your business, um, but first I'd like to hear more about you and your background. Can you tell us about yourself? Absolutely. So my business, True Focus Coaching, is led by me, and I empower entrepreneurs and professionals to get a grip on their time so that they can get to the next level in their life and their businesses. And what that means is that I teach people how to get a handle on all of those overwhelming things, the things they have to do at home, the things they have to do at work, the things they want to do for themselves, and figure out how to fit it in, the whole life in. And I do that in ways that allow them to customize the tools that they're using so it works for their brain, their lives, and their businesses. What tools do you mean? Tools that help you manage your time and tasks in a way that works for you. So Uh when I work with people more closely, I help them identify what I call their true focus toolkit. So that's your list of best practices that help you identify or help you do things in a way that makes it easy to be productive and focused when you want to be, and then off when you want to be off. Okay. So a toolkit is something you help identify or through each client of yours. So each client has their own toolkit. Absolutely. And there's some clear suspects such as a to-do list, a calendar, Uh some of these things, but I care less about what the to-do list looks like and what that, whether it's an electronic calendar or a hard copy calendar, Uh or it might be a project management system if you run a business and you're communicating with many employees. But what I care most is that there are tools that allow you to be on top of things, to know what needs to get done, to get it out of your own brain, and then to be able to plan in a way that works for you. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I know is that we're all born with different strengths and weaknesses in terms of our ability to plan and sequence and even figure out where to start on things. So I take people wherever they come with that. Some Mm -hmm. people come with some pretty good skills in one area, but not so much in another. Some people will say, Sarah, you know, I used to be really on top of things, but then something big happened in my life and now it's all fallen apart. Uh Right. And so that's often what happens when I talk to clients around divorce. I see. Yes, I see that too. Clearly some clients come to me knowing nothing about the family finances and are uncomfortable about it. And we're happy to yield responsibility for finances in the marriage. And so they now need to get a handle on what the finances look like, what they, and then what they will look like when they're their divorce. So um, how do you start with the client? How do you identify what their strengths and weaknesses are? So I start with what has ever worked uh-huh. and what they know to be working right now. And sometimes people will say, well, nothing's working. So we dig deep. Um, so we, we have questions. Yeah. So we have a conversation about what has ever worked when things were flowing well for you. How was your life set up when you knew that things were happened, were, were handled and yeah. things were going to happen in a way that you were comfortable with, that um, you enjoyed and that you liked the pacing of in your life. What did that look like? And so we start there. And sometimes people will say, well, I can't go back there. That's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes is true, particularly if your life is changing drastically, which often happens uh, with people in divorce. Or it's just, you know, a different phase of life, Mm -hmm. right? 
So what I like to do is get a sense about what has ever worked because that's going to give us some clues about the structure and support that you can now purposefully put into your life to help you feel on top of things again and actually do the things that you've wanted to get done in a way that's easy for you. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that happens when people get overwhelmed and they're not doing things that they want to do, they're procrastinating that nasty word that we all mm-hmm. we all uh, use, is that people start to not trust themselves that they can do things that they're actually capable of doing yeah. because they're, they've been avoiding it for so long. I see. Well, let's talk about your background. You were in the faculty at UMass Medical School? I was. So way back when I started my career as a clinical psychologist, I worked at UMass Medical School for about eight years. I was a trainee there, and then I was on faculty. And um, what I did there was both NIH-funded research and also clinical practice related to behavioral medicine and and, um, health psychology. Mm -hmm. So I really thought I wanted to be that person to kind of map out the mind-body connection and, you know, from your thoughts to your behaviors to your actions to what happened in your body and then teach people how to do that. And what I discovered over, you know, working there for a long time is that what I really love to do best is help people go from good to great. Mm -hmm. And most of clinical psychology is in the not-so-good-to-okay realm, right? (laughs) So what I love to do is help people that are are feeling like they're okay or maybe they just need to get their head just a little bit above water and they really want to create that life that allows them to thrive. Uh So that's where the time management and task management piece comes in and uh, working with people on really creating the lives that they crave. People have have obstacles of either their own making or just they happen there because of neglect or not right right not recognizing what their obstacles are. Absolutely, and I think sometimes what happens is we get into habits of not doing particular things yeah. because. For instance, maybe we didn't need to because of the way a particular marital relationship was set up or a business relationship. It happens that way, too. We're in environments where people are doing things that are not our strengths. And that's a great way to set up your life, right? You want to set up your life doing things that are easiest and that you are best at doing and find somebody to do that other stuff that it's good needs to be done. Right. That needs to be done, but you don't want to do it. So really super important to make sure that as there's things that you're not doing that now you need to do, that you create a system that makes it easy for you to get done, makes it easy for you to be on top of, and if you need to, to delegate it to somebody else and then check in on them. Uh huh. So it also teaches a person how to be a manager. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I talk a lot with my clients about what is it that you do best? What is it that you love doing? Mm -hmm. That you're in that zone where you're really thriving, you're really in your strengths. And then we always have this list of stuff that we have to do that maybe we don't love to do. So the question is, number one, do you have to do it? Because sometimes we don't, but we've always been doing it and we just don't know that uh, we can actually say no to that. I'm thinking of a client who was was on a planning board for his town. Mm-hmm. And we sat down, he was in, in one of my trainings, and we were going through what I call life pruning, which is what are the things you're saying yes to? What are the things you're saying no to? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the only thing that I can think of to free up some space is to come off this town board. Yeah. But I know it's going to take me some time. Yeah. So that was something he could start to engineer for himself 
to create that space that he was really looking for. I see. So you work with men and women, apparently. I do. Uh-huh. I do. I work with actually equally men and women. Sometimes that's surprising to people. Uh-huh. Um, but I find that women feel the pressure in, in a different way. and But the men are feeling it too. Um, I think that they're used to not voicing it often. And some of my favorite and longest-term clients are actually men because it's hard for women and men to be able to say, I get this part, but there's this other part that I really need support with. And one of the things that um, I really pride myself on is that um, there's no judgment in conversations with me about what's working and what's not working for you and how do you move forward on something. I get, as I said before, that we're all wired a little bit differently. We have similar brains, but different strengths. Mm -hmm. And we need to really customize our solution to what works for you. And uh, what you can set up in your environment to support you. I see. So you mentioned about term. How long do you typically work with clients? Typically, I work with people for at least three months uh-huh. because first, you know, we need to get to know each other. We need to get a sense about what, you know, where would you like to be going? Um, what are the goals you'd like to be reaching? What are the time um, and task Uh, management problems that you're having right now. And then I need to teach you some new skills and you need to get those under your belt. And then we need to make sure that you keep using the skills. And that's one of the pieces that I've really learned over time is super, super important. One of the things that happens is we learn a new skill and then life happens and takes us sideways. And we feel like that skill wasn't useful, but what happens is we forget to use it mm-hmm. because we're back into that just regular habit mm-hmm. that it doesn't use the new skill. So I want to be with people long enough to remind them, oh, this is a place to use that new skill. Or when things were going really well, you were using those things in your toolkit. Let's review that. Are you using all of those things? And usually what happens is, oh, I've forgotten to do this thing. Yeah. And not because they're not smart, not because they're a bad person, but just life has taken them sideways and that habit hasn't been well established. Oh, right. Well, change is hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Getting people to change their behavior is hard. It is. Yeah. It is. It's really tricky. So I started talking about UMass. And when I left yeah. the medical school and created my own practice, True Focus Coaching, which is where, what I practice out of now, I really went into that realm of coaching and helping people go from good to great. Uh And that is one of my passions is to help people really develop new skills, keep them going, keep that change process going, and then keep tweaking because we don't ever stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't, we we don't life. Well, and, and I have to say life is always changing and just like technology is changing five years ago, I was hearing much less about things beeping and buzzing at people 24 seven. And now it's, we're on a 24 seven media stream, right? Whether we choose to or not. So things really do change and we have to keep tweaking as life moves along. Part of that is recognizing how our lives are changing. Yes. And taking yes. control of that. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the things that um, we do when I work more closely with people is where do you really want to go? Yeah. What is the vision for the next step for you? Very relevant to people in divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing the future and knowing where they want to be, even the short term and the long term, is a helpful goal. Uh, helping to identify those. Yeah. And also noticing, you know, things are shifting because of the divorce. What are the things I'm taking on? What are the things I'm letting go of? Um, What's going to shift? Am I now in a situation where I'm co-parenting, where I don't have the kids all the time? Am I now in a situation where 
I need to take on some financial management or property management that I wasn't doing before. Mm -hmm. Or it could be just, it could be cooking. It could be cooking and cleaning that you're not used to doing. So how does that work? How do you get that stuff in, in a way that makes it easy for you to do? You know, you can get it done. And then you can spend your time really noticing what to do with the space that has opened up and be very clear about what you purposefully want to put in there now, which I think is actually one of the gifts of divorce sometimes, Mm -hmm. that there is a space. It may not feel like a gift for everybody, but one of the ways to look at that is, is, wow, now I have this space. What do I want to put in there? What do I want to create now? It is an opportunity. One of the messages I like to send out there is uh, giving clients another chance at happiness. And it's, this is a cha- time of change, an opportunity, uh, a possibility of us op- optimism yes. and hope. Really. Yes, yes. I'm thinking about one of my clients that I work with while she was going through a divorce. And, and one of the big things that we talked about was how did she want to be spending her time? What was fun, mm-hmm. right? I hear this from a lot of people, even when they're not going through divorce, because we're so on the treadmill, we forget what does fun look like for me. Yeah. So I love having that conversation. And it is the core of the work that I do, because our moments are really how we spend our life. And time is a non-renewable resource. So I really focus on what's most meaningful and important to you. And how do you bring that into your everyday, into those moments? That's a good goal. So tell me, you see certain problems. Um, What do you see most? In terms of time management, I tend to see four different types of problems. So one is people don't have control over time, right? Or they feel like they don't have control over time. So it might be somebody who's chronically late or chronically pushing deadlines or just feels like everything's flying at them all the time and they don't know where to, what to start with or how to prioritize stuff, right? So there's this feeling of out of control. I also see Um, a related problem that's about, I don't have the mechanics and the skills related to planning. And sometimes that's because we're born with brains that just aren't good at that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's also that we also weren't taught the skills about how to manage it in our current life, either at home or at work or both, the combination. Often I'll see people that do fine at work, but home's a train wreck, yeah. right? Or vice versa. <laughs> uh-huh. So we really want to talk about what are what are the mechanics and, and the planning, the day-to-day skills and actions that are going to work for you so that you can feel on top of stuff. Yeah. And then this is this other piece that we've been talking about, our goal setting, uh-huh. right? Where do I want to go? And sometimes goal setting is like, what do I want to do today? What do I want to do tomorrow? And that's often where people first come in working with me. It's hard to even think out 24 hours. And then we work on a week and then we work on 90 days and then we can start to look out even further than that. And how do we be on track for longer term goals and longer term priorities? And there's different skill sets related with each of those time horizons that I like to call them. That's a good word for it. Yeah. And and then the last piece is this piece of procrastination and overwhelm or other emotions that get in the way of us managing our time in ways that are meaningful and important to us. So people will often feel overwhelmed, which is that feeling of, I just don't, I can't think, I don't know what to do next, often very relevant in divorce. And that leads to procrastinating, right? So pushing things aside that they know need to be done and can be done, which is different than delaying. Really important to notice. Delaying is a useful time management strategy. (laughs) Procrastinating Uh usually isn't. And that's the thing that really causes us not to trust ourselves. Yeah. 
it's funny, I've said to my kids often, okay, well, every day I have a list of things to do, and I just keep reshuffling the list. Sometimes things come off the list, or sometimes things that were on the top fall to the bottom because something else becomes a priority. And now that my children are adults, they're starting to see that reshuffling every day, and I'm, yes. I, I'm enjoying them what, you know, learning the process and appreciating the fact that I always had to do, you know, that their issues were not always at the top of the list that day. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to have that. First of all, you know, kudos to you for teaching them that strategy, because I think lots of times people don't have parents that are able to communicate that or, you know, school environments also that say they need to manage things in a particular way that doesn't work with how they think. Uh So just having the conversation about what works for you and that it is an active process, because that's the other thing that I hear from people all the time is that, well, I prioritize and then everything needs to be reshuffled. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that is life. <laughs> right. Yes, that is life. Yeah. And so you have to get good at checking in and asking yourself regularly, once a day at least, sometimes multiple times a day, depending on your job, your family, right? If it's one of those days where the kid gets sick, the dog's puking, and you have an emergency client, yeah. right? Yeah. Then you have to really sit down and say, okay, who can help where and what's the best use of my time right now? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, emergency management sometimes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, reshuffling that list of priorities. All right, so we went over the four problems you see most often. So that was really helpful. So um, again, another thing I said to my kids is that part of you know being a problem solver is figuring out what the problem is. Yes. So that's part of what you have addressed here is uh, identifying what the problems are. So mm-hmm. what do you do next? So there's a couple of things that separate my time management approach from other people's. Yeah. So there's a few things that I've said this one before, but I want people to really hear the notion that we're all wired differently. So I will often hear from people, Sarah, I've tried X, Y, or Z's approach, right? So a a popular one is David Allen. He has a, a great book called Getting Things Done. It's awesome. And it's just too much for some people or they get too detail-oriented uh-huh. and they're, they're stuck in managing all the details. They're not thinking about the 10,000-foot view, the big picture thinking. So really super important um, when I work with people for me to get an understanding about what they know has ever worked for them. And then based on what I what they know has worked and how we understand their brain to be working, um, then I'll make some other suggestions. And we keep building the toolkit as we go and being really clear about what those tools are so they know what to come back to. So it's not in my head, it's in the client's head as well. Uh-huh. And I also make sure that we talk about what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to and getting really clear about the choices you're making. And I call that life pruning. That's also really, really important. So um, it's just like Michelangelo always says he he used to make his art by chipping away at what was not the statue, Mm -hmm. right? When he was doing all that great carving. Uh Um, We need to do that in our life too. We need to chip away at everything that's not the core and most meaningful stuff because otherwise we can't spend our moments in ways that are important and that feel good to us, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's really meaning and and getting clear about what's meaningful for you that is the core of that whenever we, we get close to that. And then I also help people to pay attention in the present moment because mm-hmm. that's where 
the rubber meets the road. That's where you're reprioritizing your list mm-hmm. because, you know, now there's a kid homesick or there's three clients that are that are having a crisis and you have to figure out where to go next. Or there's just a lot of really good, meaningful work on your desk and you have to say, where do I start? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So being present and focused on the present moment is a really important core skill that many of us have not developed. Mm -hmm. And so we work on that too, in many different ways. It's not just meditation. That's one way. Sometimes it's, it's also just tracking what you're doing. Oh, isn't that interesting? I have no idea what I did over the last half an hour. And now when I look at my desk, it looks like a bomb went off. So I guess I was into five different things and I started them all and I didn't finish any of them. So multitasking isn't necessarily a good thing. (laughs) <laughs> Multitasking is actually not a real thing. No. So <laughs> it's it's switching tasks very quickly. Yeah. And every time we switch tasks, there's a cost to that because you have to load the new information in yeah. and then you have to offload it. Uh-huh. And then you have to load another bunch of new information in and then offload it. Yeah. And so if you do that 20 times in a half an hour, it can be pretty exhausting, uh-huh. even if you have a fast moving brain. So I know there's people listening that will say, but Sarah, I have a fast moving brain and I just work better when I'm at that pace. And for some people it's true, but what you want to do is bounce between one or two things, Mm -hmm. three or four things, not 27. Mm -hmm. So you're really clear that here's these two projects I'm going to move forward in this time period. When I get bored with one, I'm going to pop over to the other and vice versa. That way you're going to go further faster on those couple of things, actually get them completed instead of feeling like you're taking a teaspoon out of 27 buckets that you're never going to empty. Good message. So how do you bust through procrastination and feeling overwhelmed, which is characteristic of many people? Yeah, I love this question. And I've really sort of fine-tuned a system that's helpful for people here. So the first step is to really recognize what's overwhelming you. And I like to talk about overwhelm and procrastination or whatever that emotion is for you that gets in the way of you doing the most important stuff as a dragon. And it's a life size dragon. Like if you're a Game of Thrones fan, mm-hmm. it's like Daenerys's dragons. Uh-huh. Okay. Or if you saw Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, it's like a huge life-size dinosaur, uh-huh. right? Five stories tall. Okay. So it's a big beast. So if there was a big beast that lived in your village, you would want to know where, where he lived. Yeah. So uh-huh. you, you want to know he's in the North Woods, right? <laughs> Keep him there. So the first thing is to recognize what's overwhelming you. And you really want to um, just start to notice when that feeling comes up, what was the trigger? Was it the phone call? Was it the file folder? Was it the thought? And start to get really clear about what is the thing and then start to notice what the thinking is related to that thing, Mm -hmm. okay? Because that's usually what prompts the emotion is a negative thought. So for instance, it might be, oh, I need to to get the lawyer information about the divorce. Well, I feel like a failure. Uh My divorce failed right? So that often is a thought. My, my marriage failed. I couldn't do, I, it wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. And that can be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It can stop you in your tracks. It can keep you from doing anything related to that. Paralyzing. Paralyzing, yeah. yes. Because of that feeling. So the first thing to do is to notice the activity and what that feeling is. Recognize the feeling And then you want to notice what you're saying to yourself. So I go to get the divorce paperwork or whatever, I don't know, one item even sometimes to the, to the lawyer and I'm frozen. I can't do it. I'm completely overwhelmed. 
Then you want to say to yourself, so what, what is really going on in my head? Is it that I've failed? Is it that I'm not good at this? Because we never tell ourselves good things in these moments. They're always very dark thoughts. And they're usually things that we wouldn't say out loud to somebody else. Yes. Right? Or, and, and God forbid, we wouldn't say to a friend. Yeah. Right? So you want to get really clear about what that dark thought is. And then you want to start to create a conversation that's consistent with productivity in your own head. Uh-huh. And I like to call that calming the inner fear discussion or taming the dragon. Uh-huh. Okay. So if there's a dragon that lives in the North Woods, you'd want to become friends and say, hey, stay in the North Woods, right? Like Daenerys tames her dragons, uh-huh. right? She can get near them. Not a lot of people can't. So you want to start to calm that inner fear discussion. So in this example, I go to get the, get the one piece of uh, financial paperwork to the yeah. lawyer and I can't even open up the file to find it, even though I know where it is, uh-huh. because I feel like a failure. The flood comes in. Yeah, the flood comes in. So I feel like a failure. And so instead of, of saying, oh, I feel like a failure, let me keep noticing and keep thinking about being a failure and how horrible things are. What I want you to do is get really clear about what is one thought that's consistent with moving forward on that. So why do you want to get the financial paperwork to the divorce lawyer? Mm-hmm. If I take small steps, then I can move forward, mm-hmm. right? So the positive conversation might be, I'm just going to get the one thing. I can do the one thing over to the lawyer, and then I'll spend some more time on it tomorrow. Uh-huh. One thing at a time. Baby and, steps. Right. Even though, and so some people are going to be in a place where they're going to be wanting to move forward on, on the divorce. Okay. So I'm even though this thing is overwhelming, it's a lot of stuff I have to get to the lawyer, I know I want to move forward so that I can create the life I want, yeah. right? So you hear how that conversation is different mm-hmm. than I failed, I'm bad, something's wrong with me, right? So you want to create one conversation, one sentence that you can lean into to help lift the energy, help give you some energy for action. And then you want to start to set up your routine and your environment to support productivity, right? Yeah. So that small step daily, that might be a routine. Once a day, I spend 15 minutes getting paperwork together for my lawyer. Yeah. And I might send it over right away just so that it doesn't then create another pile of stuff. Well, it's, yeah. it's not hanging over me all day Yeah, long. it's not hanging. Yeah. And you get that relief. You know you yeah. got something done, yeah. right? So that's an example of a routine. Now, setting up your environment might be, you might be so stuck that you actually need to sit with somebody that can support you while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of having somebody physically in your environment sit with you and say, what is it you're going to do now? I'm going to get the financial statement from March twenty. 19 to my lawyer and okay so you do that now and you sit with somebody as you're doing it so that you can get that support yeah and sometimes we just need that support particularly in these emotionally charged situations so that's an example of setting up your environment Mm -hmm. and i call that engineering your containment system if there's a big dragon that's gonna you know eat your kids breathe, set your house on fire, trample <laughs> people in the village, yeah. you would create a containment system to keep that village, even if you've, keep that dragon, even if you tamed him, away from the village. Uh-huh. Yeah? Okay. And then you also need to get support. So success doesn't happen in a vacuum ever. And lots of times we think that, oh, so-and-so did this without any support. 
And people often have people that they idolize that they think, oh, that person always does it and they never have support. And what I can tell you is if you lean into finding out the details of that person's success, there's always somebody behind the curtains, Uh whether you know it or not. So you need to figure out who's going to support you in a way that you need, Mm -hmm. not in the way that somebody else needs, but the way you need. Mm -hmm. And the notion here is, would you defeat a dragon on your own? And I would say, no, that stuff only happens in fairy tales. Okay. So do dragons. Right. So do dragons. (laughs) But in the real world, when you have a big hairy issue, Uh like a divorce, like something that's, that you're struggling with emotionally, you need support outside of your own head because you wouldn't be struggling with it if you didn't need support. Okay. So get support and then keep restarting going through this process where you're recognizing what's overwhelming you, calming the fear discussion, setting up your routine and your environment to support productivity, getting support and keep then keep going because what's what you're going to notice is you'll start with the big triggers and then there's going to be small triggers, small things that are prompting the overwhelm, small things that are pulling you into that negative conversation. And if you nip those in the bud, it's going to be a lot easier to move further faster. I see. So it's practice. Yeah, practice. Practice, practice. to overcome the dragon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I find sometimes at the first meeting with a new client, when they come in and say they you know, want to get started with a divorce, and I give them a to-do list. It's amazing. No matter how smart the person is, how accomplished they are at work, how academically brilliant they might be, um, they, you know, they don't know what to do next. And it's yes. so interesting. Just I just give them a handwritten to-do list and I said, let's start with this. And I try to make it really small and manageable for the first meeting. Mm-hmm. It really is helpful. But then I'm doing it for them. Yes. So what we're trying to teach them is for them to be able to do it for themselves over time. Yes, yes, absolutely. And those are the systems that I help people develop for themselves. And part of the system might be sitting with a smart person that knows what the next steps are and getting clear on those and then moving that forward and then coming back and having a conversation with somebody about what are the next steps. So that's a great example of how to use your lawyer to help you move forward in a way that's going to be a win-win for both of you. Uh Quite true. Well, this has been very helpful to putting your life back together during and after a divorce. What else do you want to tell us about uh, True Focus Coaching? Well, you can find me at truefocuscoaching.com. So that's where you can find me on the web. I also have a free gift for people if they're interested at truefocustips.com. It's an ebook that allows them, or it goes through these five steps to bust through procrastination and overwhelm in a little bit more detail. So if you want to grab that, you're welcome to do that. Again, that's at truefocustips.com. But All of my information is there. Feel free to reach out to me. I love to have conversations with people to see if and how I can help them. Um, So uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And there is um, an application on my website if somebody wants to connect with me. Good. I can think of a lot of clients that would benefit from your talents. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Hindel. This has been uh, Inside Divorce and an interview with Sarah Reif Hecking. Uh, PhD on True Focus Coaching and how she can help people putting their life back together during and after a divorce and at any other time that they might have some organizational challenges. Thank you. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L 
or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.